You're listening to the Acting Classes in Perth Student Success Stories Podcast, where we interview past and present students who have gone from beginner to a fully-fledged actor in less than 12 months. Let's start the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. It's Lauren here with the Acting Classes in Perth Student Success Stories podcast. This is episode 4A. This is the second part of episode 4, where we are talking with Callum Yardley and everything Callum has learned. It's an absolutely phenomenal interview, and it's only going to get better from here The next interview goes for around one hour, so I really want you to invest emotionally into listening to this interview in its entirety because it's absolutely amazing content. The information, the advice, the thoughts, everything that Callum took from studying in London and implemented in his acting career, his his thoughts and ideas and on acting, on, on the actor's toolbox, on books to read that, that lists, Callum lists two of his all-time favorite books that have helped him achieve some amazing results as an actor. I also throw in there my top three acting books that I believe every aspiring actor must have in their bookshelf. We're also going to talk about uh, Callum's approach to um, the overall process of acting. And in addition to that, how he views character choices and whether there is a right or wrong way to play a character or any particular scene. Look, I'm not going to go on. I think let's jump into this episode. It's some amazing content. Put aside an hour to listen, even if that means you have to stop now and come back at some other stage, you know, in the future tomorrow or something like that. Or if you're driving to work, you know, tomorrow, then just chuck this on if you're listening on iTunes. Here we go. The second part of Callum Yardley's interview. Before we jump straight into today's interview, let's take just a second to thank this episode's sponsor, Fishpond Books, which has an absolutely amazing selection of books for all those actors out there who are keen to learn more about the craft and also refine their skills further. Now, Fishpond is where I go to buy all of my acting-related books, and I really suggest you check them out as well. Not only are they an Australian and New Zealand-based business, but they also offer free shipping all the way over here to Perth on every single order. Plus, they have some great low prices. Now, stick around, listen on later in this episode, because I'm going to tell you the top three must-have acting books that I believe every beginner and aspiring actor must have in their bookshelf. But for now, let's jump straight into today's interview. Callum Yardley, let's talk about the choice that you made to go and study full-time in London and pursue acting as a professional actor. Tell us about that. Well, basically, I was looking at all the different places in the world that you could you could study. Vancouver came up, New York came up, LA came up, and London came up. And I looked at what I wanted to achieve from from studying this. And for me, it was all about the craft of acting. I didn't I didn't want to be film star or a television star or anything like that what i wanted was i wanted to 
be able to enter an industry and strive for the best and to gain respect from people within that industry. And the more I looked at it, the more I, I was comfortable with this way of thinking, I looked at it, it had to be London, you know, because of how much they, they admire theatre and how, how much it is a part of their culture. So, yeah, that was, that was it. It was, it was London. It also helped that having a Scottish father, I could get a, a passport and get in a lot easier than into America. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, for me, it was all about learning how to act, not learning how to be a movie star or how to be a celebrity, but learning how to act. And, and I also thought that going somewhere, like going to London would make it such, like so much more of a big deal that I would, I would be immersed in it with a lot less distraction because I wouldn't have friends to just, oh, I'm feeling a bit down today. I'm just going to go see my friends. I was, I was there and I had to commit. But I imagine also that, you know, a full-time studying three years conservatory, it's expensive. Yeah. And so were you fortunate enough to just be able to go, hey, I want to go to full-time, you know, acting school. Let's do this. Pay my fees in full. You know, because it's not like a, a weekend workshop or anything, which is quite cheap. This is, we're talking about a lot of money. Yeah. I knew going in that it was going to be expensive. How did you? And I had a I had a job in um, back here that was FIFO, and so I saved I saved a lot of money, um, which was the goal of that money was to get me to England to set me up and to do courses at a lot of the different schools to experiment with what they had to offer and ultimately make my choice and to start the money for the tuition but i knew that i wasn't going to be able to pay for it in full i was looking at bursaries grants scholarships did you manage to secure any scholarships i secured a patron who helped out a little bit can we talk a little bit about that you don't have to give any you know specific details or information yeah but i think that that's something out there that is of interest to people you know the listeners would be quite interested to know how you went around, around doing that. My biggest bit of advice, and this was told to me by my sister, who's, who's a, um, a painter and a sculptor. Whenever you want to do anything in life, no matter what it is, never let money be a determining factor. If it's meant to be, the money will come. I don't mean the money will appear out of nowhere. I mean, you, you will find it. There are so many things out there to help artists, but they're hard to find. But if you're determined and you look, you can find them. There's, there's scholarships from random families. There's trusts. There's people out there who patron the arts. There are, there are so many weird and wonderful places that money can come from. And I started looking. I started looking at Arts Council Australia, grants, scholarships from private residents. From And so how did you research these? You say you went researching. I, I started looking up the ones that you know of. So the Arts Council and stuff like that. And then it was like a rabbit hole. Like you, you, one thing leads you to another and you find something else. And, and then you look that up. And then... 
you reach out and you say, look, this is what I'm doing and I need help. And if you're willing to help, that'd be amazing. And so how receptive were those experiences? How well was it received? From like the private residence and stuff, like a lot of the time it was like, you know what, I I believe in what you're doing, but I'm not overly interested um, personally. But no one was harsh. I mean, everyone was supportive. And are these, you know, here in Australia? Or yeah, are we this, talking- this was here. I'd, I, I wouldn't even have known where to start for doing this in England. Um, so this was here. And it did help that, that my sister had looked into this type of world. So, yeah. And then also, apart from that, I also used crowdfunding. I mean, I didn't know much about crowdfunding, but I'd sort of heard about it and I looked into it a bit. And I wasn't expecting to raise all of the money, but some to help. So let's talk about crowdfunding because this was a a, a part of your uh, tuition fees. I guess maybe even, sorry, before we jump ahead, let's let's jump back a sec. How long was the course that you chose? It was a full-time course. It was two years. Two years. Two years. So it's- How much did it cost? I think it was three and a half thousand pounds a term. And it was three terms a year. So six terms. Right. So if we're roughly at, at generalized exchange rates, maybe just say $5,000 a term, roughly. Roughly, yeah. I yeah. Think. And was this in line with, you know, other institutions? No, in so ethics? this this conservatory was unusual. Um, the name of the conservatory is called the Poor School. Um, sadly, it's in its final year. It's closing down. Has it run out of money? No, it hasn't. See the joke there? I did. Yeah, well, But it's spelled differently, right? No, it's poor, as in have no money. Poor. Oh, right. I thought it's- Yeah. So It's not an acronym. No. So ah. he designed it because in when he started the school- Drama school in London was for the upper class. It was insanely expensive. For people who talk like this. Yes. BBC English. <laughs> exactly. So he, he wanted to create a world where the working classes could, could attend drama school. So he shifted it from daytime to nighttime so that you could have a day job. And instead of paying upfront for a year, you paid upfront for a term. So that means you could pay over three, three payments in your year instead of one lump sum, and you could have a day job. So it was, yeah, it was brilliant in that way. So that was the thing that I found. That was the price of it. And that was the length of time. And this school I chose because I went to some of the other schools. Like I did a course at Central St. Martin's and I did stuff at um, the Actors Centre and stuff like that. But it's important to find what resonates with you, right? Yeah. And this one, the way that the director of the school, Paul Kester, taught, it suited me. He didn't mince words. He didn't allow you to settle for okay. And he was incredibly insightful and, yeah, it, like the way he, the way he taught, and the way he saw things, it, it suited me. It doesn't suit everyone. It was a very particular way of teaching. But I really, I really liked it. And some of the other schools, the way they did it, 
it didn't it didn't work for me okay and so you 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 got in you auditioned for this school you got in how many in the class so our initial intake i think was 52 for that year and i think our graduating class was wait for 18 it. yeah why so less like why why lower it was extremely strict if you miss two classes you asked to leave if you were not seen to be progressing you asked to leave if you basically if they didn't think that you were good enough you asked to leave if they thought that you weren't taking it serious enough you asked to leave it really didn't take much for them to ask you to leave to be honest um i remember one there was one culling were you ever asked to leave? No, I was not, luckily. Did you ever fear? Yeah, everyone did. Every time you were called into Paul's office, that's what you thought was happening. It was, it was <laughs> that entire two years, everyone was, was fearful of everything. Um, yeah, it was hard. It was emotionally draining. But yet rewarding. Yeah, I think so. I remember when I when I first walked out of the of the final thing we did, I was like, I've learned nothing. What a waste of two years. I have literally learned nothing. And then once the the onslaught of being at drama school had finished and I'd taken a couple of weeks to sort of decompress, I was like, Wow. Like Yeah, the experience was was insane. And you in fact had learned. So much, so, so much that translated across the board from acting to just having a conversation with someone in life. Like it was, it was monumental. So the school was about the equivalent of about $5,000 Australian. A term. A term. Mm. So over three terms a year, two years, that's about $30,000. Yeah. So you could pay that. Term to term. Yeah. However, there's still $30,000 yeah. to commit to a two-year professional acting, full-time training, although, yes, it is after hours and you get to have a day job. Is that how you paid that off? Um, obviously, you went in with a bit of scholarship or a bit of- um, A bit of patronage. A bit of patronage. You, you also did some crowdfunding. Yeah. And then I assume you worked your butt off both in- class but then also in a job while you yeah. were there so let's break down you know where did the, where did the money come from in the percentiles like what how much did you manage to get from patronage mm. all up it probably paid for one of the terms okay so about five thousand dollars ish australian roughly roughly um how much came from so th that was enough plus maybe some savings from FIFO to get you in, to get you to London, to get you started, get you enrolled. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rest of the thing, but I'll just deal with that when it comes up. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, great. Tenacity. Mm. Yeah. And how much did you get from crowdfunding? And we'll talk a bit more about crowdfunding and what it is, what you did da -da 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 in a sec, but how much? Because I think everyone is interested yeah. you know, in this stuff because there's – you know, the, the listeners out there uh, who may be considering going to London or to the States or something, mm -hmm. 
you know, and I think crowdsourcing is not the answer for the entire thing mm. because, you know, you ask and you're, you're calling on friends and family and to, to help fund your, um, you know, your journey. Hard. And it's hard. But most of your friends may probably be actors also who are doing a crowdfunding thing to get money. Because everyone's just like passing $15 to everyone else. So it's not the only solution. No, not at all. How much roughly did you raise? My my commitment for the crowdfunding was 18000 But I think about 6000 of that was given purely to cross the line. Do you know what I mean? So someone you know... Because with the crowdfunding, you, you have to reach your target to actually get the money, and then you got to pay someone else back. Now, is that so? Right? So it was, yeah. They gave me, um, they gave me that last six thousand, I think. So it was, I think I raised twelve thousand. Still, that's a phenomenal effort. It was, and it, and it was hard. I mean, crowdfunding. It's you. You don't know how people are going to take it. You don't know. Like I didn't know how my friends would take it, my family would take it, if they would help. Like, it, uh, I felt kind of embarrassed about doing it. it was, um, a, was it a big step? Yeah. And I had to be talked into every one of those steps by my sister. And so was this, for many of those friends or family, the first time that they had been exposed to the fact that Callum was going to take acting seriously? Yeah. So it was probably a, a bit of a shock to them as yeah. well. Yeah. And a lot of the thing, like the feedback that came back was super supportive from people in areas that I had no expectation from. It was, it was yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. Do you know if anyone that you'd never met? Yeah. Funded you some money? Yeah, like friends of friends or friends of family or people that I'd met when I was like four years old. That, so there's a message in there. It's just like, go out and Facebook stalk everyone mm. that you've ever met, friend them up for one day you're going to need to mm. crowdfund. There is actually, if you are looking to crowdfund, there is an amazing podcast that comes out of the US that has, it's not about crowdfunding, but one of these episodes is about how to do it and how to do it properly. What's that called, if you can remember? And we'll the link to that. The podcast is called Inside Acting. Well, what I'll do is I'll link to that yeah. in the show notes. So if you're interested in listening to that episode that Callum's talking about of that particular podcast where they talk and break down crowdsourcing, and I believe in that episode they actually go into like a system of how you do it, what you yeah. do, everything like that. It's, it's a great episode. Is, I yeah. know that one you're talking about. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. Now, this is um, episode four, but it's the second part. So let's just say episode 4A uh, of the uh, Student Success Stories podcast now with Callum. So if you are interested, head over to the show notes, which is actingclassesinperth.com forward slash session four, as in number four, A, session four, A, and you will have the show notes from this episode. In those show notes, we will include a link over to that particular podcast that Callum's talking about on iTunes, and we'll also see if we can reach out to them on their website as well uh, to give the listeners some some extra content there to read over and listen about. Mm. Excellent. So you... You managed to raise about twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars with crowdsourcing. Someone through 
an extra six grand in there to get you over the line. Mm-hmm. So a question I have, just coming back to the to the total, is why why eighteen grand? Why did you go? This is the amount because with crowdsourcing, that you, was very specific. You have to reach it, right? Yeah, or you don't get it. Everyone gets a refund. So I th- I think the reason was I can't remember exactly, but I think it was a percentage of the actual amount of money that I needed to complete the course. Right. So you, and you're a student, obviously, at the time. So maybe yeah. being a student, you probably thought, um, you know, I've got about maybe $2,000 left to pay and I want, um, you know, $14,000 to spend on alcohol. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's cheap in London. <laughs> yeah. And there was, there was things as well that I needed help with, like rent is super expensive and things like that. So I think... What it ended up being was eighteen thousand was a year, like eighteen thousand was enough to support me for a year. Yeah, and then the money I had raised, and the job that I was doing, and all of my worldly possessions that I sold would get me over the line. Yeah, great. So, and then you also had your um, mysterious benefactor who gave you an yeah. extra six grand. Yeah, a little bit less, but yeah. He was he was very helpful. So that was how I paid for all of that. I am super excited to now explore into what your first couple of weeks were. You got in. You got in. Mm. Exciting, terrifying. Yeah. Did your concept of acting change early on? Yes. I walked in, as I said before, like in new situations with new people, I can be quite shy and quite quiet. And this was an intimidating world because I didn't know with these students that were in the class, how many of them actually come from a world of acting. And like some of them did, they came from being in plays their entire life and amateur dramatics. And um, some of them were high-end models and some of them were backup singers for big touring um, performers. And and it was me from Perth. Yeah. You know, I felt incredibly out of my league. So I was hugely intimidated. And walking in, I didn't know what to expect from class, what we were doing. I looked at what our classes were, and one of them said, period dance. This this class requires tights. <laughs> and I was like, what? What is this? Um, and you thought, I haven't brought my entire collection of yeah. tights. <laughs> I didn't bring my green Robin Hood tights had it, if I had known. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was hard. And those first three weeks opened my eyes to what technique was. And as you said, with the things you know and you don't know and you don't know, you don't know. And it showed me how much I didn't know that I didn't know about the world of acting and what, what it requires and what you have to give in to receive back from it. From everything, like vocal work, the amount of movement you need to do, the amount of how much you need to look after your body, how much you need to look after your throat, how much you need to prepare, how much you need to read, how much you need to understand that 
in life, you're going to look like a fool a lot of the time, but that's how you progress. You know, you fail forward. And that's, this was an environment where it was designed for you to fail forward. And yeah, it, it, so much information was thrown at you so quickly that I think, you know, out of those 52 students or whatever it was, half of them were just scared and ran away. Do you think they didn't want it enough? I think so, yeah. And I think you're naturally going to get people who want celebrity. And that's what they wanted. You could tell that some of the people rocked up and they wanted to be film stars or they wanted to be, you know. And when they realized, if, if you want to be a celebrity, the quickest way to go about it is get on reality TV. Don't, don't learn how to act because this is like a life of hard and tired and exhausted and invigorating and thrilling and it's not an easy route necessarily mm. uh, yeah i tend to say to people who just want to be a celebrity go out and make a sex tape because you've got a bit of chance yeah that works too <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and sometimes you can maybe fund your way through film, uh, acting school so you know you talked a little bit there about you know failing forward and i really like that and mm. and that's definitely a concept that we talk about um, for those people out there, though, who may not have done a class with us or may not have been exposed to that, can you talk about that and maybe give us a few examples? Okay, the way I see things is you have three states of being in acting. You have the class, you have the rehearsal, and you have the performance. The class is about experimentation. You're learning things you don't know. You're learning new techniques. You're experimenting with characters. This is what you're doing. And for experimentation to work, there has to be failure. Like, if, if what's the point of experimenting if you don't fail? You may as well just go straight to the performance. So, classes are designed for you to fail. They're designed to be a safe place. They're designed to educate you. Can you give us an example of something that you remember, uh, maybe it was a defining moment for you in the training aspect over in London where you failed, you felt like you had failed, but at the time, you know, whilst that may have been incredibly painful in hindsight, you can now see how it was actually a failing forward. Yeah, we, so we did a play every five weeks and the very first play was an Irish play by a playwright called Brian Friel. It was called Give Me Your Answer, Do. And I was playing a middle-aged Irish man. And I was terrified, like so terrified. These plays at the start of the drama school were internal. So they were only to the other years, the teachers, and a few other people sort of thing. And I did this play and I didn't really prepare. I didn't really know what to prepare. My accent sounded more Indian than Irish. It was, yeah. And I did it and you get feedback. Um, the next day they go through and they, they talk about your last five weeks and they talk about your play and your performance. And mine was bad. It was so bad. It was flat. It was boring. It, you could hear the nerves in my voice. My movement was wooden. You know, it was a failure. And I got feedback that I should probably look to other careers. 
Were you terrified at that moment you were going to be asked to leave? Yeah. Yeah, I really was. What's it like when you get bad feedback or someone in that group gets bad feedback and everyone else around them is sitting thinking, well, we're not going to see them tomorrow? Well, that's what it was like. You'd sit in this big circle and there'd be people crying. Yeah, it, it, was, it was terrifying. It was, and I think we should throw out there and just you know for anyone because this is amazing, inspirational, amazing, uh, you know, ac actionable information. Mm. But we're talking about a full-time professional, high-end acting institution in London. We're not talking about this. Is not the kind of stuff that you experience starting out, right? No, not at all. But also, like the reason that the stakes were so high is because all of the people that were there wanted it a lot like yeah. these were the these were the dreams they were chasing dreams and it was brutal but it was constructive being told that you were bad on stage hurts and it hurts a lot but being told you're good doesn't necessarily do much for you if you were bad how are you meant to get better exactly you will just continue to be average and yeah. no one strives to be average yeah and i think my progression during the time there was because of the, the feedback I was getting and because it was so brutal. And a lot of the time I saw that as a challenge. So this, this, this play I failed miserably and I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to fail that way for those reasons when I knew I was now told what I'd done wrong and I knew what happened to me like my body physically when I was that nervous. So I knew what to combat. And it's a process I, I would assume also in which you, you have, the, you, you know, you know that you did badly. Mm. And so you can then acknowledge and kind of say to yourself, I, I don't want to go back to that place. Yeah. So I'm going to ensure yeah. that I improve. Yeah. So I don't feel that again. Mm. And that I don't give the audience that, that performance. Cause they, they don't deserve. They had to sit there and watch it. <laughs> it's hard for you, but gosh, it's hard to sit through a really bad yeah. performance sometimes. Yeah. That's hard. It can be. So, yeah. It was in, it was that was an example of failing forward. You spoke earlier about books. You you, you did a lot of reading, a lot of content reading of, mm. you know, players I assume and acting books. Um what are the kinds of books that you would read were they, you know, purely on acting? Were they plays? Was there at first? Yes, basically read scripts, read plays, and read lots, lots and lots and lots of them. I would read about the history of theatre. I would read about the history of particular theatres. I would read acting books on vocal work, improvisation, movement, and then I started reading things that were a little bit more on psychology. I would read autobiographies. Um, I would read anything. I would literally just read anything. And are there is is there a, a book a book that you could recommend? Um, so th the two books that helped me the most, I think, were "Respect for Acting" by Uta Hagen and Sanford Meisner's "On Acting." Excellent. And if anyone wants to check those books out, they are both amazing books. If you do want to check them out, head over to the show notes for this episode. Uh, that's actingclassesinperth.com forward slash 
session four, as in the number four, and then A, actingclassesinperth.com forward slash session four A. That's where the show notes are. That is where I will link to those two books if you want to check them out. In addition, I'll also throw in uh, another link there to another area on our website where I list the top three acting books I believe every aspiring actor must have to pursue acting as a professional career. So I'll add those in there as well. In the meantime, if you want to check those out while you're listening to this, uh, you can also head over to actingclassesinperth.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. All right, Callum, let's have a bit of a chat about how those two books helped you. Uda Hagen's well, at, at my particular school, no method um, was taught. No, like, um, it wasn't, you know, the American method. It wasn't Stanislavski. It wasn't whatever. But Uta Huggins was a lot that came up. And I think it was it was good to, to have that book, to wrap my head around a lot of concepts and stuff. And same with Meissner's. Um, they're two different ways of doing things. And I think a lot in, in being taught acting, they bring up the toolbox. And the toolbox is basically you you need a lot of different things to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. In some situations, one particular thing will work. And in other situations, it won't. It won't get you there. It won't get you what you need. So having different things that you can access is extremely helpful. And Uta Hagen's and Meisner's books were things that I could constantly go back to and constantly refresh and constantly, you know, just just catch up. And they had exercises and and Meisner's was was like a transcript of class over like a year. And he saw how other people went about doing it and and yeah, I, I think that they were just a good way to Keep me on the right track. Excellent. There's actually just reminds me of a, a book, and you might know it. It's actually momentarily left my mind, but I know that uh, the actor Jason Werner has it. So, Jason, if you're listening, email me, you know, add a comment in or something. Uh, if you remember the name of this book, maybe uh, use the Facebook sharing options below and, um, you know, hashtag acting classes in Perth, hashtag Callum Yardley, hashtag Lauren Johnson, and then that way we'll get the message. And I'll be sure to try to include that in the show notes at some future point. But this particular acting book that Jason was telling me about uh, some time ago actually follows letters. So it doesn't teach you acting through a traditional sense, but there was a teacher and her student, and the book starts from his the student first letter to his acting teacher oh, post graduation okay and it goes on for like 30 years until she passes wow and it's there like letters in a diary and just back and forth about life and different topics and and acting and not acting and yeah. love and every and it's I, i'm going to i'm going to get this name of this book because it yeah. I, I remember kind of skimming through it at one stage in the past and it was phenomenal and then i just never ended up getting around to getting it but jason Werner, if you're listening please let me know yeah please do i haven't heard of that it sounds awesome yeah um 
Now, what I've noticed is that you you spoke earlier, you know, we spoke in the previous kind of first part of, of this whole session or podcast episode with you about the concept of fear. And then that evolved onto, you know, speaking with meaning. And I want to kind of touch onto that because you are someone who speaks with meaning and speaking with confidence. And as an actor, you need to do that because, you know, the lines you are delivering have meaning and motivation and they're real. Yeah. Does that mean that you are just always confident that that you are not nervous or afraid now still as an actor? I'm terrified. <laughs> I still get stage fright. My heart still races. My breath becomes shallower. But there are confidence naturally comes from preparation. Yeah. And you can see it. You can see when someone steps up and they've done the work. And the work can be anything. The work can be their body is in tune, they've exercised. The work can be they've done vocal work and they're confident in what they want their voice to sound like is what it will actually sound like. And they've done character development and they've done script analysis and they've broken down what they're doing. And that translates to the real world. You know, if you enter a situation that you're prepared for, you feel more confident. I have natural confidence. I also have a massive fear of, you know, the same as everyone else being judged. Public speaking scares me. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But I, I heard a quote somewhere that acting is the shy man's revenge. Mm -hmm. Because you think, you think a lot, you're introverted and you can hide behind a character. Then all of a sudden, mm. hello, here I am. Very true. But yeah, like I'm, I'm not, a super naturally confident person. But I find being prepared and, and doing the work builds confidence naturally. You spoke just briefly before about the actor's toolbox. Mm -hmm. I'd like to explore that a little bit more. Sometimes sure. it's referenced as the actor's pantry. Yeah. I, I personally prefer the toolbox. Yeah, The actor's toolbox is maybe a bit of a new concept for some people listening. Mm -hmm. I will tell you my ideas and theories. Yeah. And then I'm really interested to hear yours. Okay. And how they are similar and or maybe differ. Mm -hmm. So I believe an actor is like a tradesperson. Yep. For two reasons. One is it's the film or entertainment or theatrical business. Yeah. And a tradesperson runs a business. Mm-hmm. So they are in charge of marketing themselves, selling themselves, providing good quality, ensuring that they get a call back yeah. to get another job, all these things. But in addition to that, they have a talent, a skill yeah. of something, like a plumber, you know, an electrician, whatever. An actor is an actor as their skill, that is their skill is acting. Mm -hmm. Now, every skilled person, every kind of, in this sense, trade person mm -hmm. needs their tools. Yeah. They rock up to a job with their toolbox ready to go. Sometimes as an actor, you're going to rock up on set for a day player role, you know, where you don't really get the script until the day yeah. and you have to develop a character then, you know, it's not always like theater where you get months yeah. to prep. And so what you do is delve into your toolbox because you take that and it's not like, physically taking an actual yeah. an actual toolbox. Yeah. But your toolbox is your mind, mm -hmm. uh, your brain. And so you take that when you get to 
set or to rehearsal or to a stage rehearsal or an audition or anything. Yeah. And you simply go into your toolbox and you use those tools. And those tools can be the experiences of your life, yep. the emotional memories, the sense memories, emotional memories being the memories that you have emotionally gone through in the past, the, the loss of something, the love of someone, the experience of something. You also then have um, sense memory, the sense of smelling somebody when you kiss them for the first time, the sense mm -hmm. of feeling scared, the sense of feeling happy, everything. You have other tools such as observation, you know, understanding of human psychology, all the characters that you had done prior to that, because you never just let go of a character. It gets thrown into the toolbox and every great actor should be making endless notes on their character development, mm -hmm. character research, everything, like everything is thrown into the toolbox. So the, so the actor, when they get there, just simply pulls the tools out that they need to get that job done, just like a tradesperson yeah. to fix that pipe or change the electrical cables or whatever. Is that, sit in line with what you see and do as an actor with the concept of the toolbox or yeah add to it expand on it begin yeah so i i see you hear thrown about a little bit the actor's instinct this actor is instinctually right or whatever it is and i think that that comes from the toolbox you you learn different methods of experimenting within things, you know, so sense memory, emotional memory, focal training, animal studies, verse training, Shakespearean training, all of these things get thrown in, accents, dialects, all of this stuff. And then the more that your toolbox is filled with all of these things, the more you can draw on them instinctually. So when you get up, yeah, like it, pretty much exactly what you said. It's Whenever you get to a certain situation, you you can reach in and pull out whichever experiences and exercises and thought processes that you need for that particular job. And it could be it could be different for the same job. You could be doing a character who in this particular scene you need to delve into this. And in another scene, you need to draw on some comedy training because it's a insanely dramatic scene that without the comedy you don't have the light to show the dark yeah so that's that's the toolbox for me the toolbox is just everything everything goes in it everything that you're trained and taught everything you experience in your life every just everything it's a very big box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely maybe that's why actors get big heads maybe yeah maybe Callum I'm interested to know your thoughts on experimentation, and not with drugs, I mean with, uh, <laughs> with character, with scene, with uh, acting generally. You mentioned and you referenced experimenting, you know, mm -hmm. throwing what you experiment into your toolbox, the results of that and so forth. Is there a right and a wrong way to play a character or is the process of acting about experimenting and finding options? Or not? Is there like, this is how this character is played? You know, I guess there are two sides to this debate. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in hearing your side, which is more of a, you know, more of a theater thespian type point of view, because you're, I wonder with more contemporary pieces, it can be more interpretive, but 
when you do get down to nitty gritty and you're doing Shakespeare, there's a very set way to play it. There is and there isn't. I mean, Shakespeare is a perfect example because there are, take Iago from Othello. He's a villain. There is Iago's over time. There is Kenneth Branagh's Iago. There's other people's Iago. So, so this is one character that has existed for so long and there's everyone's version. In reference to it being right or wrong, I think the wrong way of ever playing a character is just, it doesn't serve. It's not serving the story, it's not serving the play, the film, whatever it is, and it's false. If it's false, then, then it's obviously wrong. For it to be right, I don't think it needs to be a set way. I think it just needs to be right for whoever's playing it. Serving the story as a whole and truthful and honest. Honesty is an amazing thing to witness when it's acted. It's inspiring and, you know, it's intimate. And, and we get that, you know, we're all kind of voyeuristic and we want to watch people go through intimate situations. So there isn't any right or wrong as in you do this character this way and this way alone, but there is a right and wrong as a whole, you know. Storytelling is super important in all societies and acting is a way to educate a way to enlighten a way to to raise the level of debate to to bring topics to people's minds and i think it's a big responsibility and i think if if people are not doing it in an honest fashion then that's wrong but other than that i think experiment i think try weird and wonderful and wacky things and you know James McAvoy did Macbeth set in a kitchen. Hmm. You know, like you, you can do whatever you want in any particular way as long as it stays true. Yeah. Moving forward for you, Callum, the future. The future. Hmm. The future is now. Yeah. Tell me about your, your thoughts and ideas for you as an actor moving forward because you're back in Perth at the moment. Mm-hmm. You're going to be around here. I think you might be doing some stuff here for a little bit, but where's the future for Callum? I, over the last little while, I've begun to sort of, like I've always loved the craft of acting since I started and I, I want to experiment more within that for myself and with other people. I want to try my hand sincerely at directing the way I like to be directed and the way I like plays to be put together. And, and helping people who are coming up with whatever experience I have and whatever insights I have. And acting is like life, like it's you're ever learning. And I want to keep learning and, and keep experimenting and having fun and pursuing it in any way that I can. And I really missed Perth. So it's, it's good to be back here surrounded by family and friends. And, and I want to bring what I've learned in London here, you know, try and contribute to this community in this place as much as I can. I mean, that's the future for me. And if there was one bit of advice that you could have been told when you started acting before you walked in the doors to that very first class here at Acting Classes in Perth, Callum, I'd like to end by asking this question. If you could go back and give you advice what would you say i think the coolest thing is seeing passion 
And I think a lot of the times we are stopped from doing things because it's not cool. We don't look cool, you know. But I think understanding that cool is purely committing. So I would say to myself, don't be afraid to look like an idiot. Don't be afraid to fail. It's not about that. It's about trying and it's about trying sincerely and it's about failing forwards and just have fun. I mean, it's called the play. So play. Touche. <laughs> Is there a shout out to anyone in particular that you have met lately, maybe since being back or maybe in London, someone who you think we should keep an eye out for and moving forward and becoming an actor to watch, obviously, other than yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've run into people since I've been back and I've been like, wow, like you would have done amazing things if you were in London. And you know what? Being here, you probably will still do amazing things. In your whatever classes of yours that I've been to, I've seen actors who have had moments where I'm like, Ah, that was it. Like, that was amazing. So there's so many, I wouldn't even know where to start. I would like to say thank you to Paul because I never thanked Paul, the director of the conservatory, because me and him clashed a lot. And I, I feel like I should have said thank you to him, and I never did. So I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for you and, and you opening my eyes to this world. And I'm grateful for everyone who walks into any room and sincerely tries and brings their A game, whether that means they know all their lines or not, but they, they try and they try with sincere effort. They dare to dare. Yeah, I mean, put it all on the line, raise the stakes, bring the passion, just act. I mean, it's not going to hurt you at the end of the day. Why not do it as hard as we can? Callum, thank you so much. I know that everyone listening has taken away so much. And it's been amazing to watch your journey. Thank you so much for taking information, applying it, and making it happen. You are a big inspiration to other students. And from them, from me, thank you. Congratulations. We'll see you around. Thank you for having me. Now, don't forget to check out the top three must-have books I believe every aspiring and beginner actor needs to have in their bookshelf. You can do that by visiting actingclassesinperth.com forward slash books. That's B-O-O-K-S. And of course, you can buy all of those books plus many, many more from today's sponsor, which is Fish Pond Books. Now, they offer free shipping all the way over here to Perth on every single order, plus they have some great low prices. Check out those three must-have books for all aspiring actors at actingclassesinperth.com forward slash books. Well, there you have it. Callum Yardley, back from London after he made a choice in his life to actually pursue acting professionally. And I am so privileged to have had a chance to work with Callum. Callum, if you're listening, I know you are. Thank you so much for 
everything that you've achieved for actually taking information that I taught you, information that you've learned beyond there. I was only one small step in your acting journey, but it's so rewarding for me as a mentor and as a coach to actually see people take the information they learn and then go out there and implement it. You know, I, I just know that that so many of the listeners and so many of the acting students out there who are up and comers are listening to that episode and probably going to bookmark it as one of their favorites because there is just so many information bombs exploding in it. Thank you so much. Now, next episode, I have a chat and a sit down with a special, special actor. Her name is Courtney Turner. And Courtney is going to talk about how she likes and prefers stage, a little bit like Callum, but she talks about why. She talks about the fact that she loves stage because of the immediate gratification that she gets from the audience. She knows whether something works or doesn't very quickly. And she's also going to talk to us about the different styles and approaches that she uses to explore and build her characters. Courtney is a very physical, physical in the sense of her body-based uh, actor. She uses her body to explore character. So Courtney will explore with us and talk to us about those different styles and methods and the way that she approaches her character development and her characters as an actress. And I'm really excited because she's going to talk to us about a Japanese method, the Tadashi Suzuki method. And it's just, you know, it's so different, so alternative. I absolutely love it. It's a great episode. Uh, I look forward to joining you next week for that episode. Until then, stay safe and like always, happy acting. Thanks for listening and be sure to head over to actingclassesinperth.com slash success and learn how you can become a successful and fully fledged actor in Perth in less than 12 months. Be sure to tune in next time for another amazing episode of the Acting Classes in Perth Student Success Stories Podcast.